Hello, welcome to Okawa Book Club. So we're your hosts, I'm Dylan. I'm John. And we're going to be discussing the teachings of Riho Okawa. Riho Okawa is a world teacher, master, and CEO of Happy Science Group. All right, so today we have a powerful and prosperous book, The Laws of Success by Riho Okawa. It is a lot of people's favorite or one of their favorites, and they are, you know, everyone really is curious to know what is the spiritual guide to turning our hopes into reality, as it says on the cover. And the contents are varied. There's a lot of good tips. There's a lot of theories and philosophies. But overall, it all gets back to the heart of success. And if we can understand the heart of success, we can start to be successful people and make other people around us successful and then ultimately live a successful life. So to go into the preface, I will start from the middle. In the preface, it says, The passage of time has anything but dated this book's relevance. In fact, the passing of time has allowed the words in these pages to grow more universal and illuminating. Since this book was first published, its ideas have taken flight and catapulted happy science onto the stage of world religions. The first release foreshadowed my achievements since then, and these accomplishments validate my philosophy, making it clear that it is not just an empty theory. This book boldly presents principles for succeeding both in our personal lives and our business lives. If you read this book during your 20s and 30s, you will surely have remarkable success in your life, and I eagerly encourage you to study these pages deeply. Readers in their 40s or 50s and older may at first feel a pang of regret and then a tinge of remorse, but do not be let down, because the remainder of your life still holds possibilities for growth. There is still sufficient time for you to succeed, especially if you hold a managerial position, work as a business executive, are the breadwinner for your family, or are a mother raising children. You might sense the confidence of a young genius pervading the entire book. If I were to meet myself back then, today, I have no doubt that I would be deeply moved and struck with a great sense of awe. I am proud to have written this would-be classic at the young age of 32, and to have grown myself with this book in hand. It is my sincere hope that my readers will want to come back to this book time after time throughout their lives. Riho Okawa. Wow, powerful words, but powerful and bold words are to be expected in a title like this. <laughs> so, you know, I think one of the most important chapters is the first chapter, What is True Success? And it teaches a few factors of true success. One of those is an attractive life. It's a life that is attractive with originality and joy that others can recognize as attractive. But it also contains the attitude, the attitude of success, which is like very blithe and breezy. It is kind of like having inner calm and composure while we're walking the path to success and also being bright and positive. So it's like being unattached, but also cheerful at the same time. And people can feel our presence as like a warm spring breeze that blows past and they feel that cheerfulness that comes with us. 
And then, of course, a heart of love. You know, heart of love is essential to success. In the early days of happy science, Riho Okawa often taught that it's like success without love is death. It's like the shell of an oyster, but there's no oyster inside. You know, that is like the true success. That's why love is important to always accompany success. Otherwise, it will lead us to destruction. And then lastly, a sense of the eternal. If we know eternity, we know the future life, the heavenly world, we can live in a way that will lead our success to success in the heavenly world as well. So our success has a sense of eternity. And in the last part of the chapter, he says, I describe success in these words. Success is eternal growth. Success is eternal progress. Success issues from eternal passion. Success arises from eternal courage. Success arises from eternal effort. Success creates eternal value. So success and eternity are combined, we can find, through this book, and it goes through all the chapters of this book. So how about you, John? You've read the book, and you have some discoveries or some positive and powerful things that you'd like to share? Yeah, this book left a lot of positive impressions on me. And, and I think uh, anybody who's listening, you know, if you're the type of person who's kind of cynical, especially about their own success or about the world of work, mm. this is the book to read. Mm. That, and it will, I think, radically transform those views. I think this book also, Rio Okawa's books, there's a lot of discussion about utopia. Yeah. And building that utopia in this world. And that is his vision. Yeah. And I think that that vision in a very practical way is represented in this book mm. for how in the world of work and in business, which does take up quite a bit of our, all of our time, mm -hmm. how can we still, you know, be pursuing enlightenment and happiness and live with love and meaning in those situations? And I think overall, that's an underlying teaching throughout this book. And, you know, sometimes I liked, I believe it was chapter, I mean, all I liked all the chapters, but so the third chapter, it was uh, The Secrets of Successful Living. Mm -hmm. And these were just some very simple pieces of guidance, like keeping a cheerful attitude, not being afraid to smile because a smile's free. It doesn't cost us anything. Right. right. Using positive words, uh, seeing the positive in situations yes. instead of focusing on the negative. And these might sound like common sense things, but how many of us are actually doing these things and putting right. them into practice? And why is it so difficult for us to upkeep these, mm -hmm. these things? And I think that... You know, like generally speaking, those types of practices are introduced on their own. Mm -hmm. And I think what's wonderful about this book is that things like that are presented in an overall broader context with some of the concepts you were discussing earlier, you know, the love and the sense of eternity mm -hmm. and faith. And so I think when it's all tied together, as it is in this book, mm -hmm. that's where it all becomes something cohesive that you can actually upkeep in your life. Mm. I mean, just wonderful book. Yeah, you know, something that just came to me is there's a kind of worldwide revival of Marxism, which is taking over certain countries. And that is really causing a lot of unhappiness around the world. But I think one of the reasons is that, you know, in Rihoko's books, capitalism is viewed as very highly. It's viewed as a way to, you know, make this world better through market economies. 
But there hasn't been enough explanation of how capitalism will lead us on the path to utopia. So people who have that utopian longing, that feeling that they want to make utopia in this world, they tend to turn to Marxism because Marxism actually talks about utopia. However, what this book does in one way is it shows a way that we can live with a market economy, a capitalist economy, that will lead us to utopia. And that's highly talked about in one of the chapters, which teaches us the gate to economic prosperity. And it talks about value. You know, I studied finance when I was younger, and we never really learned about this kind of concept. So people buy things because their usefulness or they're acknowledged to be valuable. So a diamond is not necessarily useful, but it has a lot of acknowledged value. So people put a lot of you know weight on it and it's known as rare or viewed as luxurious. So people spend a lot of money on it. So most of our things are priced based on their usefulness or their acknowledged value. But there's another thing which is lacking. That is a truth value or a utopian value that we can ascribe to certain items. So to buy Rihokawa's books, you might pay $15 or $17, but the contents are worth hundreds or thousands or even more. So if we understand that truth value is not the same among the same items or um, among different items, we can start to understand what can help us build a utopian economy or utopian truth-oriented economy. And what that amounts to is a world where enlightened people or people who are walking the path of truth are working in the business communities and making utopian products and things that will make the world better and entire human race benefit. And then bringing the business world into a place that makes the world better and better based on the value of items and the cost of items. So if we keep making economies based on selfish motives, the future of capitalism doesn't look bright. But if we can think about these higher values and these utopian values, we can create a new era of prosperity for the whole world. Yeah. Beautifully stated, Dylan. You know, and I think it, it really goes to show, you know, it's like so many people today are critical of capitalism. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just people aren't seeing the potential of it. People are seeing that in many ways it has been abused. And, you know, as you, there is a lot of greed there, but that greed is not the foundation of capitalism. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, there's, there's so much utopian uh, potential that, you know, we can be achieving. Yeah. You know, one other part of the book, which I really liked, there's this idea of a village of successful people and there's a traveler. And basically it's a little bit of a long story, but the traveler, he wants to become successful. He wants to go to the town of success. So he goes there, but he, when he gets there, his clothes are in tatters. He's all dirty. He looks a mess. He doesn't have any, you know, prosperity or success. So he's rejected by the mayor. The mayor turns him back and says, you know, go to another town. That's a town where people are working all day long. They're making a lot of effort. And in that town, that is where you can start to establish yourself as successful. And once you establish yourself as successful, then you can come into the town of the successful people. So it kind of gets at a few motives. One is the, you know, you can't become successful by just saying you want to be successful. You have to make the efforts. 
But another motive is you have to present yourself as successful. You can't, you know, appear worn down and tattered. You have to kind of give off the aura of success, the vibration of success, or, you know, exude that atmosphere. And if you do, you will be recognized by other successful people. And then they will want to work with you, want to, you know, accompany you or, you know, just overall have ties with you. That is the way success works in a kind of metaphorical way. And I really love this story and I like to read it from time to time. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great reminder, you know, and I think a lot of it really ties into, I know I always bring up the law of same, wave, same uh, wavelengths mm -hmm. in, in these podcasts, but I, I really do think that it's such a foundational teaching, you know, um, yeah. with, you know, the like attracts like, whether it's with emanating that aura of, of success and meeting other successful people accordingly, or developing utopian things by attuning yourself with the heavenly dimensions that are also doing that. Yeah. And I feel like that's so pivotal to all of this. Yeah. And one differentiation point that I think there's a lot of self-help books. There's a lot of success and, you know, that kind of philosophy of success books. And they're in all the bookstores. But this book has one point that I think distinguishes it. There's in this book, this concept of four conditions of true prosperity. The first condition is that others objectively recognize your success. So, you know, there's a lot of books which say, oh, just think you're successful and then you're successful. Or just, you know, say it, you know, maybe on social media, post about how great you are. But it's not objective, it's subjective. And societal recognition is an important tool for gauging our success. So the second condition is the growth and development of our character. So it means that we live a life of integrity, a life of, you know, the noble character where people see our nobility and our consistent ability to improve and grow every year. The third condition is having a social influence that corresponds to our level of wealth. So it means paying back to society and it means to have that prestige that can help other people and benefit others. And then lastly, living a life of no regrets. It means to, you know, we guarantee that we are going to do everything that we can in this world to live a life of material and spiritual prosperity that aligns with the inclination of our soul. So we are authentic, in another word. We are living according to our soul's mission, why we were born here. And then we succeed in that mission and others recognize it. So these four conditions really make our success true. They make our success validated by God, by heaven, and by the other people of this world. And if we can live that kind of life, that kind of acts as a barrier to all the negativity or criticism that comes with success. It acts as a kind of uplifting feeling that we can continue to accomplish our mission in this world. So before we end, I will turn it over to my partner, John, who will read the powerful afterword from this book. From the afterword. Can there be any other book so overwhelmingly full of light? Have you read any work that inspires as much courage and hope as this? Can anything else compare with its power to inspirit you when you are in the midst of a failure, setbacks, anxiety, or feelings of inferiority? In times of heartbreak, unemployment, severe illness, setbacks in college admissions, crumbling family relationships, problems in other relationships, and anxieties about growing older, these pages will give you the light of guidance. Your belief in this book will make your dreams come true. 
This book is your beacon of light through times of hardship and sorrow. You must believe in this miraculous work. If you are lying in distress in a hospital bed or facing an illness in your family, I hope that you will read a little bit of this book each day to serve as your wellspring of courage and nourishment for your soul. As you do, I am certain that the conditions you face will take a turn for the better, allowing your family to restore its precious cheer and joy. From Rio Alcala. This book, it has been sold in bookstores for a few years now and people really love it. So you can find it at bookstores such as Barnes & Noble. You can find it online at websites such as Amazon.com or you can find more information at OkawaBooks.com. It was great talking to you again, John. Likewise, Dylan. In these trying times, stay happy, healthy, and positive. <laughs>